Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name, actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Wir gerne sehen in was ist los. It's dein Freundo Seth. I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Listen, everybody, this is Sam. I'm uh, hosting Nintendo Voice Chat in Jose's stead this week. He's on vacation. I'm here with Megan. Hello. I'm here with Bear. Hey. I'm here with Jared Petty. Hi. Welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat, everybody. Uh, it's been a long time for me. Uh, I, I used to host the show, so it's good to be back. 
I know you guys are all on occasionally, but uh, this is going to be a good show. We are going to talk about uh, Nintendo Counts a little bit. Um, we're going to talk about Mitomo a little bit, uh, but then we're going to talk about Fire Emblem Revelations uh, a little bit more because uh, uh, we haven't heard anything about that game, Fire Emblem Revelations. That's the, the kind of the third one that we haven't reviewed yet because Megan's reviewing it right now. Yeah, that is exactly why you haven't heard about it because I'm still <laughs> reviewing it. There's all three Fire fault. Emblems. It's totally it's my fault. We're going to try to clear that up. Uh, we're also going to talk about some old games. Uh, Jared and I talk about retro games all day long, sometimes pair pipes in. And, of course, uh, Megan's here to join us in talking about Nintendo's lost games, which games never came to the United States or other territories that we think are cool and that should come over here. And then we got some uh, reader mail. So let's uh, let's hop right into this uh, first topic. Uh, I signed up for a Nintendo account this week. Yeah. Did you know what you were signing up for? No. It was a little confusing <laughs> because I already had a Nintendo account, a Nintendo account, but uh-huh. not a capital letters Nintendo account. Uh-huh. Nice. Now we have a Nintendo account. We also have uh, platinum points for signing up for our Nintendo accounts, which uh, can be used for original merchandise, discount coupons, digital content. That's from uh, a story from last year about what these new rewards are that we're signing up for along with Nintendo accounts. And they, I mean, they set a they set a date and they stuck to it. So you know, they they launched it exactly. uh, when they said they would, they didn't make a huge deal out of it, but basically they told you, hey, you know, here's our first step to a unified account system for Nintendo and for whatever the future will be, right? Like this magical future of games on the NX platform and the Wii U and cars. mobile devices mm-hmm. and, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, <laughs> airplanes. Yeah, safety first. Ca- cars people. are the next console, I heard. Um, <laughs> Seriously, like people want to put out, you know, gaming apps and what cars. What could possibly go wrong? Nothing, nothing, nothing could wrong. possibly go wrong. But this, this account system is, as you were just saying, across so many platforms. It's yeah. 3DS, Wii U, the new NX will be included. They've already said smartphones and PC. And when you go on the site, it's really well. Uh, the site works really well. I will say, yeah. uh, it has an Android and an iOS uh, uh, logo right there. That's right. There. And so, so you create. You basically you use your Nintendo ID like that you used on the Wii U or for yeah, Club Nintendo. Log in. You're set. But you know, this is also the time if you want to lock in a username for yourself that um, that you uh, feel better f- mm-hmm. about. You know, I locked I, in Alf. I believe it's a ten, <laughs> ten character limit. I was surprised by yeah, that. Can you change limit. it I had later? To be like San instead of Sensei. Stuck. What's that? Uh, is it like uh, PlayStation where you're stuck with know. the name or you can change it later? We don't know yet, right? We yeah. don't know what it will be like once it hits the consoles, right? Like if you're playing if you're playing Wii U, you can you can change your name, how it appears online, for mm-hmm. example. Even if your ID is the same. But yeah. we, we don't know yet where it's gonna go. We'll see. Who are you, Pear? I'm Pear. You're Pear? No, I'm okay. Pear IGN. Okay. Still the same IGN. have right. been for twenty years. So. Um, awesome. Yeah. yeah, so I have also that that was also released just yesterday alongside this uh, the sign up program. Uh, was uh, a fact about Mitomo. Did you guys mm-hmm. see this? Mm-hmm. It was a fact. Uh, if you did see it, then uh, this won't work as well. Because I was going to say, you guys can ask me anything, and I will answer your Mitomo question. Because it, I'm sure it'll be a frequently asked question. So ask me. Ask me something. What is a Mitomo? Hmm. Uh, this application is all about <laughs> communication with your friends. Okay. Who are my friends? Um, you can use it with people you've mutually added as friends. <laughs> Will Crisis Force ever be on Virtual Console? You cannot use it offline. Oh, we are. <laughs> but this is, you know, the fact kind of confirmed some of the stuff we we talked about on NVC before, and that is Mitomo will not be a kind of traditional Nintendo video game. It is absolutely a communication app for friends. You know, when we first heard about it, immediately we thought, oh, this is Nintendo's attempt to, like, have people on subways in Tokyo connect, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the kind of the street pass is not street pass for phones. It is absolutely not street pass for phones. This mm-hmm. is a 
this is closer to a Snapchat. It sounds mm-hmm. you know, but Pick but the chat yeah. plus. Speaking of Snapchat, we have an awesome Snapchat uh, feed on. What do you call it? Not a feed, a channel. It's an addition. An addition. Yeah. Uh, if you go on Snapchat and swipe over to the additions, uh, IGN's is so cool. It's programmed with unique stuff every day. There's so much Nintendo stuff. Get that Snapchat. Uh, get Snapchat if you if, want to. see If you think stuff. you know what it is, it's not like it's not like a Twitter feed where you know it's kind of posts that that promote our content. It's custom content created for it. So, for example, on Valentine's Day, we created an animation of like Mario and, and Peach, and like it has all this yeah. kind of you can't see eight it bit artwork. Yeah, it's we really we cool. don't we don't post it anywhere else usually. So it's it's a really cool thing to look at. Um, I was gonna say, can you state everything you just said in the form of a question about Mitoma? No, we can't. How about this one? No, we can't. How old? How, <laughs> how old do I have to be to use Mitoma? Oh, how old? Thirteen. You must be at least thirteen years of age to use this application. Mm-hmm. Copa, yeah, you have to for everything for, you know, registering an IGN. Thirteen account. is great mm-hmm. now. You can't yeah. buy cigarettes. You yeah. can't go to R-rated movies, but you can use Snapchat. Yeah, you can yeah. use Snapchat. You can use Mitoma. You can't vote. You can't <laughs> vote, but you can use Snapchat. I'm, I support lowering the voting age to thirteen. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> That'd be even funnier then. Um, so this, well, this whole but Mitoma the Fun kicks off in March, right? So uh, Yeah, it does kick off in March. Mm-hmm. And also the rewards program will be unveiled then. So we'll yep. be able to see what kind of software and apps and stuff we'll be able to get with your points. And that's what really interests me. I love the Nintendo uh, Rewards Club from before. Um, so excited to see that relaunch because I really like the, the, the cool little tchotchkes you can get from Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Man, that that Majora's Mask puzzle. Oh, those Super Famicom controllers that plugged into the Wii controller. Those yeah. things are amazing. I'm curious to see if they'll be kind of rumblings of a subscription plan like an Amazon Prime or PS, PS Plus or anything at that point. Mm-hmm. Or if that really, if we have to wait for something like that until the NX comes out. Cool. I think it'll happen. Well, very special guest Megan is here uh, to What's talk up, about Megan? Fire Emblem. So we Hi. should talk about Fire Emblem. Uh, but I know we talked about it a lot before. So we're going to talk about a different topic this week. Uh, yes. And, uh, and you can see... There's a nice copy of Fire Emblem right here with the uh, the three versions of Fire Emblem. There are three versions of Fire Emblem. There are. And uh, uh, listener Will writes, uh, you guys have Fire Emblem Revelations since you have the special edition. That's right. But you have said nothing about it. Could you say anything about it on the show? I have no idea what it's supposed to be like compared to Birthright and Conquest. Conquest. Now, you're right, Will. We haven't said much about it because we already reviewed the other two Fire Emblem games, Birthright and Conquest, yes. separate games. Separate yeah. games that got separate reviews, separate scores, mm-hmm. uh, separate breakdowns, because they're totally different games. So it's sort of like Jared made a great comparison earlier that they're kind of like the Legend of Zelda, Oracle of Ages, and Oracle of Time. Or Season Sorry, Season. season. Yes, yeah. that's okay. But there was supposed to be an Oracle of Time. There, there was supposed to be a, a third, third one, one, and they never made happen. it. Yeah, oh, yeah. See, but Fire Emblem Fates does exactly what those Zelda games yeah. are supposed to do. There are actually three different stories, three different campaigns, three different maps... And so Revelations takes is like the third path where in Conquest you side with your Nor family, your adopted family in Birthright, you side with your Hoshido, your blood family, but now you have this third well, path. Frankly, where... they're jerks. What? Who? The Nor or the, yeah. the Hoshido? I'm fighting them right now in my campaign. Yeah, but they only jerks because you aligned with the other side. You're yeah. a traitor. It, it's kind of that, mean, Witcher, yeah, that, that yeah. Witcher 2 thing where you play so, on one side and then the other yeah. side's well, jerks until you have played again. Conquest, but yeah. it's fun because you're a jerk with them. So. Yeah, that's interesting. But you're not evil, you're right? Not evil. It's like you're it's not to... a light and a dark path a la Star Wars or you're something. Right. You're right? evil because I'm the good guys. No, no, no. That's not how it is. There's obviously. We're not going to give away any Narcissistic relativism. It's not. Yes. See, Jared's with me. You're evil. <laughs> but so, Revelation. Revelation is the third path where you don't pick a side. Now everybody hates you. <laughs> but the good news is, slowly but surely, you chip away at them, and they'll eventually learn to trust you. So you chip away at their distrust. 
you mm. get them distrust. I can't speak today. It's okay. Sorry. It's okay. And you now can have soldiers from Nor and Hoshido join your ranks to have this huge, super awesome army hmm. where they can all interact. They can all have support ranks together. Uh, there are new, really cool maps. I just finished a map where you have to seize a fort, but you're in this really dark cave. So you don't know what's around the corner. So you can only go so many map tiles in and then you have to stop and then enemies will pop up at you and you don't know what the type of enemies that pop up at you until you make your move so there's a lot of crazy strategy so so explain though so there's crossover between birthright and um uh, and conquest right where certain characters like azura will be on your team no matter what from the get-go right like it it the, or there's Kaze there's or some Silas. characters you encounter in the quest who will join your team who are from the other side. So there's crossover. But what's different about this, and uh, so far from what you've seen, and why when you start, when you have the special edition, by the way, it sold out so fast. A lot of people are frustrated they could, that they couldn't get it. Hopefully on launch day, there will be some in stores that you can kidnap you can, uh, because that's the nicest way to own it, I think. Yeah, but it's like, the easiest way to own it. But And you can play it now versus having to wait for the DLC, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which but like, comes out March 10th, I but believe. But why does the game recommend playing Revelation last, right? Yeah. Like when you started, it, it says... Yeah. Well, yeah, because Revelations actually is the true story path. So it assumes a little bit that you've already played Conquest and Birthright. It does. Yeah. And so, it, based I mean, on the story. yeah, based okay. on the story. So, like in the special edition, you can play it first, but the game's like you really don't want to do that. There's spoilers for the other two, and it won't make oh. as much sense. Right. Okay. So now, in typical, I, in typical Fire Emblem, it's kind of the difficulty sort of tough, tougher, and you've got to be kidding. Um, is this is more? The is the third one, one more difficult? That's what I was wondering. If this, uh, yeah, I'm not that far into it right now. I will say that the maps are more intricate, okay. and they do take more careful planning. Like I said, you don't know what's around the corner in this one. And you're a veteran cave. now after playing it nonstop for a week and a <laughs> yeah, half. Yeah, yeah. So, but so, it's, so, but here's here's the crux of. So say I don't care about the story at all, and and I just want to know what's the difference between these three games. I know for uh, conquest. It's more of a, you don't grind like you do in the last couple Fire Emblem games between levels. You don't go out and just like randomly fight stuff and build up your stats and then then breeze through a level. You you have very specific objectives. It's a very different type of game. So in one game you grind mm-hmm. and you and if you can't beat something you'll go grind more and then till you, and you can beat it. But Conquest is not like that. You just have a set set character levels and you have to kind of puzzle out each mission. So which one of those is Revelations well, more like? Well you so, do you do upgrade your characters in Conquest too. It's just you don't get as many special side missions. You mission. can't, yeah. what's right. called scout, yeah. you can't yeah, pay you can't money yeah. and That's then I mean. uh, open up different parts mm-hmm. of the map and then you can level grind, but in Revelations you still can. So the maps are harder and more intricate, okay. but you still have the opportunity to so go level grind. it's more grind. like okay. Awakening. Because, because Birthright is mostly Birthright like, most is like, like Awakening. Birthright is the more like straightforward one. Conquest is a more challenging one. And I so far Revelations seems to strike a balance between them where the maps are more difficult and intricate, but you have the opportunity to level grind okay. mm-hmm. and recruit Neat. people from both er, sides. Which means Conquest is definitely the hardest one. Like, if you mm-hmm. play on default difficulty, obviously all three versions you can up or lower the difficulty. And by mm-hmm. the way, you can start on hard, and then if it's too hard, you bring it down. You just can't bring mm-hmm. it back up after mm-hmm. you play a mission and save. Um, but yeah, it's supposed to be... Birthright is supposed to be the perfect point of entry. Yeah. Very much like Awakening. Um, Conquest it's not a baby is supposed game. to. It's, it's a no, 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 it's, it has a difficulty It's exactly curve. like Awakening. It's well, just you, a different type of Fire Emblem. You can play it on Lunatic yeah. Classic mode, and it mm-hmm. will kick your ass. I yeah. mean, I, 
I reset the game so many times. I lost <laughs> count, and I'm Me playing too. on hard. LR start. Um, LR start. Yeah, LR, LR start, start, and you go back to the main menu. Is um, that a cheat code for restarting? It's. I don't think short, they ever. It's a shortcut. Do too. they ever say that in the manual? No, we'll I don't think they do. No, they don't. But it's yeah, a classic. Every, like yeah. if yeah. you've played Fire Emblem before, you know that's the best way to to restart. But so um, yeah, Re Revelation is supposed to be in the middle. Like it's fair. It's not as hard as Conquest, but they still recommend playing this one third. And, you know, the, the reason is because you get elements of both storylines combined that could be spoiled if you played it first. Cool. So right. I'm going to go out and buy a copy of Fire Emblem this weekend. I can't get the special edition. It's sold out. Mm -hmm. Which one should I get? Well, it depends on your play style. Are you new to the series and not very comfortable with tactical RPGs? Then you want to go with Birthright. If you're looking for a challenge and something you haven't seen before that's different and really uh, just the maps are more intricate and there are way, more waves of enemies and stuff like that, then I would get Conquest. Yeah. And another way to phrase that is if you loved Awakening, maybe Conquest is too different for you. I just, it's not. It's it's a little bit more constricted. Yeah. At it's, the same time, if you felt like, but it's a lot more unique. If you yes, felt like, if mm -hmm. if you were craving for more of a challenge after Awakening, and and you just finished Awakening, Conquest is different. Like my personal take is, if you're a fan of Awakening, you played it when it first came out, or you played it even last year, go with Birthright. You're gonna play the other one anyway, right? Like the campaign is like, <laughs> what is the campaign? It's, it's like 40 hours. It's a good 40 hours, right? It's I'd so, say it's so Birthright. long if you grind and yeah. stuff. Like well, yeah, I've already put in 10 hours. I'm only on like yeah, and the DLC packs. There are other things you can, you know, DLC packs um, span all three editions. You can download them and do more stuff. You can do street pass. You can do more battles. Like there's lots to do. But let's say it's good 40 hours for the campaign, yeah. and then you move on to conquest. And like if you buy the physical edition of Birthright. Um, and it's 40 bucks in the US, then 20 bucks gets you each one of the other versions, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. When Revelation is out. So it's the same price as the special edition. You don't get the, you don't get the fancy little uh, 3DS sock and the art book, but you know, it's, it's an equal value as far as gameplay goes. Yeah, there's no conspiracy to try to get more money out of people. It's just the way they divided it up. Yeah. Plus the special edition, you get more goodies. So mm -hmm. it's, it's worth getting if you can get it. There should be a digital special edition. I think that would be the way to go with this. I like just to lock good. you in from the get-go? Yeah. It's a season pass, basically, right? Yeah, but, you know, Fallout just raised the price of their season pass, and they yeah. said, well, but until March, you'll still get to lock in at your original price if you get it right now. There's like a, there's, I don't know. I keep thinking of like the, the Ticketmaster approach. It's sort of like buying tickets for a con before and after a certain day. They're usually different prices. I think mm -hmm. it's kind of the same thing yeah. there. Okay, so... Uh, that's really interesting, and, and you'll have a review of Revelations in the next couple days? Or yes, it like should be. Hopefully it'll go up Monday afternoon, so look for it. The video and written review. Three so. Fire Emblem reviews. That's Did, three Fire Emblem Many, reviews. many games to play. Are you, from are you <laughs> gravitating towards the same characters as in your previous playthroughs, or are you picking different characters? To I'm trying to pick different characters. Okay. I want to see how they mesh on the battlefield and what their support rank conversations are, because yeah, yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah. a cool opportunity to have, like, I don't know, uh, Xander from one side and Ryoma. Yep. If they ever get into my party, I have no idea. I'm not far enough in the game. But wouldn't it be cool to see conversations between the two mm -hmm. and then see how get their skills, their, yeah, oh my gosh, that'd be great. And then have their personal skills, like how do their skills complement each other on the battlefield? Like what can they do for each other? Hmm. Yeah. And that's, I, that's what I'm most looking forward to is, you know, playing Revelation and then saying, all right, how different will the offspring be when I pair, you know, different characters so you're together? Just Obviously, they're, they're kind of templates for them. But, you like, my daughter is playing Birthright, and, like, she paired the same two characters, but they have 
the offspring has different hair color because of right. her avatar, you know. So it's really, really cool. You're doing like Fire Emblem shipping, like that's that's kind of kind of your setup there. Yep. Just but like the cool to... thing about Revelations is that it opens up a whole floodgate of opportunities to sort of mix and match and experiment on and off the battlefield with all these different characters who are going to join your party. So that's a really cool reason to uh, get Revelations after you finish either Birth Right or Conquest or both. Cool. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Jared, I have a question for you. Uh-oh. Do you remember when you were a little kid? I do. Uh, sit in front of your NES for I do. hours on end. Indeed. Playing Fire Emblem. Uh, no, no, I don't. That I don't remember. But it, ca- but it came out on Famicom. I do remember being an old man sitting oh. in a living room in Japan playing Fire Emblem on my Famicom, but I was in my 30s. Yes. Uh, yeah. So uh, we're going to talk about uh, Nintendo's lost games uh, in America and, and generally in Europe. These are games that Nintendo completed put out, they might have been really good or just kind of crazy, but they definitely never came here. And they never mm-hmm. came here for a variety of re- reasons. And uh, Jerry and I and, uh, and Pear kind of put up a, a little top ten list of these games. So it's not about games that were in development and got canceled like Jungle Emperor Leo. This is about completed games that have come out in Japan and, and, and in some cases Europe, right, mm-hmm. that we no- never saw here. Yeah, in some yeah. cases they're quite surprising that they never, never came out here. The first one... Uh, is a quick edit I just made because we were talking about it just ahead of the podcast. A Zelda game that never came out. Uh-huh. Here. Yeah, the Satellaview Zelda. And the- wait, wait, hold on. It's called Zelda BS. Oh, which right there. <laughs> That's you know, seriously like what well, it's known as. Okay, in Japan, BS did not mean bull. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's BS's broadcast satellite, right? This right. was a, a game created for the Satellaview broadcast system where you actually, this was really early downloadable content mm-hmm. via satellite television. Mm-hmm. It's a recreation of The Legend of Zelda in Super Nintendo graphics yeah. with a bunch of extra stuff. And uh, there's some like close like like ports of it on ROM like you like you can play it illegally now there's just no yeah. way to play it like in the but original you, way but you can only sort of play it because there were actually live broadcasts yeah. going on that were like dungeons, there was right? a person telling you what to do Time, you know yeah timers right. and everything and, yeah. and so there, there was like everybody sat down at the same time to play mm-hmm. their game and you can't replicate that there's no emulator mm-hmm. for the human being that was on the other end sort of game mastering an entire yeah. nation playing Zelda so uh, cool yeah it, so that's a really cool thing it was yeah and, and you've seen you know, Microsoft try this concept uh, later, right? With uh, on Xbox Live, having people compete at the same time. It was the it was basically the the live show equivalent for video games, and this was mm-hmm. really early. I mean, this was in the yeah. in the nineties, right? Yeah. Um, on the Super Famicom, when I lived in Japan, it was going on. I saw commercials for it all the time. I didn't have oh, the so cool. I didn't have the Satellaview hookup either, and I don't think many people did. It was pricey. I think yeah. I think it was a failure. It was pricey, but it was really interesting. And Nintendo kind of saw that concept and then tried it again with the 6040D mm-hmm. where they also had some sort of live element but it also failed. Yeah, so, you, do, you don't find a lot of Satellaviews in stores there when you're looking at old retro stuff. You just don't see a lot of them. That game though was beautiful. Well, it doesn't work anymore. Man. Like you can't use right. it. Right, no, but it, it, I don't think there were ever that many of them out there is mm-hmm. what I mean. You don't find them around. But man, looking at that game, just look at screenshots. It is a beautiful, it's beautiful It's beautiful. That game. was the final thing I was going to say about it is that it's a Super Nintendo like nicely rendered version of The Legend of Zelda Link for to the, the past most part. Looking. And yep. it looks like Link to the Past. It's a little bit different and like just they made those sprites and assets and stuff like it'd just be cool to have a remake of the legend of zelda i would love i would love to see them pay homage to this and try to recreate these these games Mm -hmm. in some some sort of connect collection obviously it's it would be a lot of 
work to salvage this kind of code and mm-hmm. make it work. But it's just it's such a cool oddity, man. I'd right. love to so see it come number out. Number nine, yep. far end of a spectrum, a mm-hmm. game that Jared's played, and I know you played a little bit of it, right? Yeah. Disaster Day of Crisis. Ah. Yeah, for the Wii. Uh, I was living in Japan, actually, uh, <laughs> when this when this game was new. And uh, Disaster is like if Monolith Soft made a Michael Bay movie, um, that's so disaster. If, is Xenoblade. Yeah, yeah. the Xenoblade yeah. Chronicles. Yeah, uh, they, they made Xenoblade. Uh, and if those guys decided they wanted to make a long Michael Bay movie third-person video game, totally. that's what this game is. Just I'm totally like, on board with this yeah, game. It's, it's like, got a great concept, too. I mean, it, lit- it is literally about disasters, like flood waves, like, you know, heat and all that volcano. Yeah, like, it's kind of like, what yeah. would happen if every possible natural disaster in the world happened at the same time and terrorists showed up? Like, that, that's kind of kind of how it works. It yeah. had like shooting, it had like on-rail shooting, it has mm-hmm. like racing elements, like yeah. adventure aspect. But I would say it wasn't entirely successful. No, it's 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 a I would call it a flawed gem. Yeah. Uh, it is it is it's kind of a disaster piece. Uh, <laughs> it, you, I like there's a kind of an emphasis throughout the game, not just on killing dudes or, or reaching objectives, but like you're rescuing people, you're helping people, you're actually trying to make the world a better place through a lot of it. And mm-hmm. at the same time, there's this sort of ridiculous melodramatic Hollywood thing. It gets redundant. Uh, it's a lot more fun to play early on than it is to keep playing. That's, so it, can I yeah. ask you about how the game Gameplay works while you're trying to rescue people, say from a flood, a volcano explodes somewhere. Yeah, in the it's just this day. It's sort of like 24. This day just keeps getting worse <laughs> it's just and really worse. Bad day. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just things just keep going more and more and more awful as you move on. Um, so again, to remind people, these are games that Nintendo published yeah. in Japan. They got behind. They, they you know there was money behind these games from Nintendo. This that, came out in the UK too. Yeah, and this yeah. this one ended up coming out in the UK. Just never came to the United States. Yeah, yeah. And, and again, we're not saying like it's a great game or anything. It's just it's an anomaly. You know, mm-hmm. For so much to go behind a Nintendo game, and we never, you know, get to play. So yeah. our reviewer, I remember Matt Wales reviewed this for IGN, and uh, he really liked it. He gave it an eight back then, mm-hmm. um, so and he did. said, "Hey, it's so flawed, but I'm having a ton of fun with it. <laughs> this is like a prime example of a game that's just ridiculous fun. It's like over the top, and like I'm just smiling playing it. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's a, it's a bummer we didn't see here, see it here, or see kind of." Monolith, like, take that concept and refine it as they have mm-hmm. done with Xenoblade, right? Exactly. Maybe right. we'll one day see it on the virtual console. Well, maybe. That's maybe. possible. We do have yeah. Wii games on the there. 3DS virtual console. Never. <laughs> uh, so, uh, number eight. This is a strange one. A yeah. primary main series Mario game mm-hmm. called Mario and Wario. Now, Sam, this one's kind of dear to your heart, right? uh, Yeah, this game's so neat because I love the Donkey Kong-style Mario games. Mm -hmm. This game came out in Japan. It's it's more like – it's kind of a mix between Mario versus Donkey Kong. Donkey Kong 94 is the kind of game people remember from that series. It's great. And March of the Minis. Because what happens at the beginning of this game, this is for Super Nintendo, okay? We're talking about, you know, mid-'90s Super Nintendo. Uh, Mario gets a bucket dumped on his head by Mario. Right. And he's blind, and you have to guide him as some sort of a little – like fairy creature yeah. through levels just with so the mouse, he right. automatically walks. You're yeah. using you the Mario use, Paint mouse. Yeah, you use the, the Mario Paint mouse, which and is oh, only amazing. used in, in a handful of games. I think it's like Secret of Mana used? No, no. It's, Lord of the Rings. It's such, an, it's such an oddball in the series, but it's like I don't understand why it never made it out here. It was yeah. first of all, it was designed by uh, Satoshi Tajiri, who's the creator of Pokemon. Mm-hmm. It was it was actually programmed by the he team at Game Freak. He was probably pretty busy in 1996. Right? Thing. 
And so, and then it was at the height of the Lemmings craze. If yeah. you remember David Jones, DMA Design, later made a little game called GTA. Right. right. Created Lemmings for the home computers, and it was a big hit where you played with a mouse and you kind of, you know, you guided these self-destructive creatures to mm -hmm. safety. That's basically what this game was. Yeah, it's that mixed with a little bit of that Donkey Kong 94 vibe. Yep. There's less going on on the screen than you have in Lemmings, but that was perfect because it, for the console TV setup, that's exactly what yeah. you wanted. Exactly. It is a really, really good game. I don't think it came over here. I, I'm purely speculating. I, I think that this was a matter of peripheral fear. We're yeah, like, uh-oh, uh -oh, well, mm. there are there enough of those mice yeah, out there. Came to Super Nintendo. Yeah. I was thinking it was because of all the swearing. Uh, in, I don't think that's in there. I don't remember no, that No, but remember also in 93, <laughs> 90, 1993, Nintendo was very careful about what games they would bring out here, mm -hmm. right? They were, you know, it, the, during the still during the Super Nintendo and Super Famicom days, they're like, oh, you know what? This game is too, too strategic. People in the U.S. wouldn't like it. It doesn't have the action. And people might be confused if they love the Mario games. They were very, very careful in the U.S. And unfortunately, this is one of those casualties that we never saw. Yeah. So speaking of, uh, did you have something to add about? Oh that? no, I just I have one burning question. Yeah. How is it that Mario couldn't just take the bucket off? Come the on side? now, uh -huh. Megan. <laughs> See, the bucket is because really magic? heavy and covering his arms. Uh, also, yeah. when when somebody dumps a bucket on your head, you don't just take it off. That would be showing if your weakness. I, so if I dumped a bucket <laughs> on your head right now, you'd do the entire rest of the Nintendo Voice Chat. Podcast. Yeah, you wouldn't even Wait. notice that I had the bucket on because I played off so well. I just, yeah. right. I just watched the magic fairy protecting him. All right, well, this is a special edition of NVC coming up where Pear has to do an entire episode with a bucket on his head. Sounds good. And just be cool. Just I'll, be cool about it. Sounds good. Uh, I'll speaking do it. of uh, games that uh, Nintendo was, might have been afraid to localize, Devil World, a Shigeru Miyamoto joint. Yeah, uh, the lost Miyamoto game we never got in America. Why? The only one, right? Uh, the only, uh, I think it's the only Miyamoto game we didn't see here. I, I'm not comfortable saying that because I didn't I didn't do my homework, to, mm -hmm. to be sure. But it, it's, a, it's a very early NES game. It's single screen. It's sort of like... Oh, if, it scrolls a little bit. Yeah, it, well, that's part of what's so cool about it. It does scroll a little bit. You're right. And, and you can get squished up against the side of the screen. The screen is moving around and you can get trapped against it. But Pac-Man Maze with Satan and crosses and a dragon. Uh, that that yeah, fairly so, summarizes so it pretty Nintendo well? Nintendo of America w has always been reluctant. Well, I guess not as much anymore, but decades ago, they were reluctant to uh, put any games out with word. any religious imagery in them. Yeah. And that meant that even games like Castlevania had religious Im imagery stripped from them. Yeah. This game has, well, it's called Devil World. It has like kind of a gargoyle like demon at the top, but it has like the collectible munchy pellets that you get are like, Crosses. Yeah, yeah and you collect crosses. Bibles too. Yeah, you and, pick up and, Bibles. Yeah, you, you push the the you get the cross power ups and everything. So the yeah. imagery is there, but it's not like I mean, if you see it with today's eyes, you look at it and you kind of chuckle, it's right? Like yeah, the castle removal yeah. removal of crossing Castlevania was ridiculous because Dracula is and vampires are just associated with crosses. Mm. This game was weird because like it doesn't look like it's religious or anti-religious in any way. It just looks yeah. like this cutesy, like, it's got a dragon called Tamagon, for for Christ's sakes, right? But, like but a on, little puzzle bobble dragon. Yeah, but on top of, uh, going beyond that, it's a really good game. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it doesn't look all that great when you're looking at it you're like well it's just a pac-man clone it's really not it plays in a very different pacing than pac-man yeah, very and that, slow slow and deliberate like not 
fast action. Yeah, very right? thoughtful. Um, but you're but you're reacting. Yeah. You're strategic. But yeah. but but you're, there's it's just exciting enough to keep you feeling a little tense. And when you feel that edge of the screen coming close and something's coming from the other way, it can get really tense. It's it's funny now if you go into some of the Smash Brothers games, you'll see trophies yeah. from Devil World, right? So well, you'll show it. You'll you'll see it show up. It's actually surprising that this hasn't come out. Um, it did come out in Europe. Um, in '87. So did it really? It did. Yeah, people I've in never Europe. Seen an no, NES it's. Copy of it. Oh, I'll um, have to pick one of those. Not up. here. A PAL NES version. Okay, mm-hmm. uh, number six. Very strange game. Also localization challenged. Uh, Captain Rainbow. <laughs> now, we've talked about this on NBC Do you know before, this one, Megan? In my day. No, I don't. Oh, my God. <laughs> this isn't like Cho, uh, Cho Anaki or whatever that is. No. But I'm not far off. No, close. It's okay. yeah. almost as weird. Yeah, uh, Captain Rainbow is a game that I'm so glad it exists, but I wish it were actually more playable. Uh, I mean, I my Japanese is terrible, but I've stumbled through some of Captain Rainbow, and it is... It's it's an island of Nintendo misfit toys. You know, it's it's like they're D-list Nintendo characters yeah. all living together. It's the B team, yeah. yeah, yeah, and and it's really funny what's going on, but. It, it, it plays sort of like a weird exploratory adventure game. It's a little too slow-paced sometimes. The humor's it, very quirky. It's just like a big psychedelic in-joke. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, there's characters in it you wouldn't expect, I, obviously, because there'd be characters, but, like, Little Mac is in it. Absolutely. Or, and, or Bird- Birdo. Birdo figures there's, prominently. Yeah, some, with uh, some really weird Birdo material yeah. in that game. Yeah, Birdo... And- there, there was confusion, right, in the manual whether Birdo is male or female, and mm-hmm. so they, the developers skip, who are completely wacko. They made Giftopia, too, which only came out in, in Europe and yeah. Japan. Um, it plays with that, right? Mm-hmm. Like, Birdo uses a, 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 a like, female restroom, like, uh, the women's restroom gets in trouble because nobody knows whether Birdo is actually female. Like, it has all these weird themes in it, mm-hmm. um, if I remember correctly. And then just... Is Tingle in it? Uh, I don't remember Tingle showing up in it. Okay. If, if Tingle's in it, I've forgotten about it. But, but Captain Rainbow is, it's sort of like if then those movies you find on YouTube that nobody cares about anymore. Mm-hmm. If Nintendo had made a movie that ended up on YouTube, it would be Captain Rainbow. Yeah. Uh, that's that's how I feel about it. Like, it's it's so just, strange. it's complete craziness. I mean, I, I looking at it, I understand why it didn't come, come out here. Um, especially, you know, at, at the time and, and kind of like if you think about the, the audience that console had, it oh, was yeah. not the kind of like import. Yeah, that we yeah. They w- did not have that kind of import audience. Like on the Vita, people would have said, this is crazy and awesome. On the Wii, people would have been like, what is this? Right. Yeah. Especially since this they had the, the Nintendo height of the Wii's popularity. Too. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Number five, uh, we got Fire Emblem, Shadow Dragon and the Blade of Light. This is the one of so the good. prototypes for what we know as today the tactical RPG. Yeah. Like we were doing some research on tactical RPGs today and they go back to uh, the, uh, we saw Ultima has like a tactical RPG. Ultima uh, 3 has a 3. tactical combat system that's a lot like Fire Emblem. Yeah. yeah and then there's just... a couple Japanese games but then this became a kind of uh, congealed into a, a type of RPG series with Fire Emblem. Like this is that important and it came out in uh, 1990 in yeah. Japan. Yeah. Unheard of in the United States. Like I remember playing Smash Brothers. I mean, who are these characters? I have right. no idea who these characters are. Yeah, so, the, the first American game I remember playing that was anything like Fire Emblem. After that, ult- those Ultima fight scenes in Ultima three or four was probably Shining Force, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, which was on you know Genesis. Yeah, up till then. So Fire Emblem, you go back to it and play it on the Famicom, and it is impressive even now. It, it is. You, 
they're so playable. All games in that series. And I, I didn't play Fire Emblem. It's, it's one of my favorite series now. But I didn't play it until 94 mm-hmm. when the Super NES, the Super Famicom Edition came out in Japan. And that game actually has the entire campaign from the first one in it. So, so cool. it has a dual wow. campaign, right? You've got this new quest and you've sounds got the familiar. classic one. Yeah, it sounds very familiar. But only one price, which, to be fair, was like 100 bucks back then. Yeah. It was like 9,800 yen or something. Well, so, Fire Emblem was a hit. It yeah. was a big hit. Oh, in it Japan, was really big. Which makes it just so inexplicable to me that it never was even attempted for an American audience. It's, it's also I think there was some there was some internal wrestling going on with that series too. Shozo Kaga, the original creator, left Nintendo and he created a tearing saga mm-hmm. and there was some back and forth like Nintendo and him definitely weren't great friends and so there was this break after uh, Torakia, Thracia, like yeah. after the Super Super Famicom game, there was this break and so I think I think even Nintendo didn't know what to do with it and I covered the Nintendo 64 back in the 90s, right? And like they were talking about creating Fire Emblem 64 internally at Intelligence System and then it was off and on again. There's this weirdness going on around that game. Nintendo EAD did the first Fire Emblem. Yeah, so it was was just really strange and I think some of that was also the relationship with Kago. Obviously, other people took over this franchise and it's been awesome and it's been successful since. We also got shafted on another tactical RPG from Japan at the same time. Famicom Wars. What is that? So Famicom Wars, you might know as Advance Wars. Uh, And one of the best things about owning a Japanese Wii was the opportunity to go back and play Japanese virtual console games uh, that don't come out here. And Famicom Wars was on there. So that's how I first got to experience that. And Famicom Wars and Advance Wars are just pretty much exactly the same thing. And it's a wonderful, brightly colored, lighthearted series that... I think might have done better over here than they guessed. Uh, you know, they, they weren't always sure what we were going to want. Kikmo brought over, you know, Desert Commander, and you had things like uh, Shingen the Ruler that tried this tactical map RPG thing. But Famicom Wars was instantly understandable uh, and delightful. And Nintendo went on the record saying, you know, that the Japanese team thought it was going to be too daunting for the U.S. market because it was, you know, it was very much rooted in the in the tabletop games, you mm-hmm. know, like Sicily and all these games where you had to move units around and. Mm-hmm. They I'm thought people, they could they throw people their way behind like Final Fantasy. There was such a huge push to get Final Fantasy but fair, here in Dragon But Final Warriors. Fantasy yeah. was much more. It was much more dynamic. This was literally chess with armies, right? Also, Final Fantasy. Chess I think we've that Final Fantasy mm-hmm. wasn't theirs, and there was a difference between Square failing with something they published and mm-hmm. them failing with something they developed and published uh, internally. Yeah. You know, I, I think they were willing to let Square take a risk that they didn't want to. It was literally with. called Final Fantasy yeah. because it was supposed to be their final game. And yeah, Nintendo published it over here, but it was still Square's game. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's really interesting because the title of this is one of the few franchises where the name of the game changes from platform to platform. Yeah. There was yeah. Game Boy Wars. Uh, I think the Game Boy Advance one in in Japan was actually Game Boy Wars Advanced. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then it became Advance Wars and the entire franchise became Advance Wars Mm -hmm. here. And like... We haven't seen the game since what, like 2008. Yeah, yeah days that of weird, ruin. Kind of darker days of ruin. One. Yeah. yeah. What happened? I, I mean, I, these I games know. are awesome. They, you could argue, they influenced Fire Emblem, right? Mm-hmm. Like the 1988 was the first one, I think, before Fire Emblem. Like, give me more. I yeah. agree. I, I they I also influenced uh, one of the best uh, for those 10 people that own Turbo Graphics over here. That's where we got Military Madness. There was a craze of clones for these kinds of games in Japan. Uh, Military Madness, which is one of the standout titles in the Turbo Graphics. Uh, in the 16-bit era, hmm. came from uh, Famicom Wars. It's a complete ripoff. All I right. want another one. So uh, number three on our list is Mother 3. 
This is, of course, we. I <sighs> feel like we don't even need to get into this. Yeah. But, uh, there have I've never been rumors. The there have been new rumors that you know Mother Three is going to surface. The uh, sequel to Earthbound yeah. on Game Boy Advance. Yeah. Uh, it's supposed to have a fan translation that they sold to Nintendo for a dollar. Uh, I I can't speak authoritatively on that. I have played the fan translation. It's as good as everybody says. Mm-hmm. Um, this is one of those games that just like, yes, it's actually as wonderful as all the fans are screaming about it being, and everybody in the world should play it just as a just as a public service to make the human race a better so thing. So why not then bring it over on like virtual console or something like that? Like There's, why I think it's the localization uh, is so much. The localization is some, but also the man who wrote the, okay, well that's the other thing. The guy who wrote Earthbound, there may be legal issues connected to that. Oh, He's a novelist. He may own the story hmm. or parts of the story Jared, or character elements and <laughs> that could make this a little harder. I think for Nintendo it's just one more project and I, I feel like they they are they were just worried that this game would it wouldn't be worth it that not enough people would actually purchase it and like even after there was a petition online with you know tens of thousands of people signing it they're like oh there are lots of people who are excited for this game interesting goodbye you know yeah. and it's like there is no excuse there is no excuse yep. yeah. i guarantee you if they wanted to they could make it they yep. could make it happen, it will right? it will happen we had an operation rainfall we can have an operation snowfall yeah uh-huh. I, I i would never want to encourage anyone to go out and you know steal games uh, to play them but go out and steal this game and play it it's really fun <laughs> it, it's funny because i you know again back to covering the n64 i saw the demo for this game running on the 64dd That's so cool. on the disc based system it was in 3d the exact same scenes and characters you would later get on a handheld system like you got on this disc drive characters? oh yeah it was pretty ugly um and it, it was it like quest 64 so <laughs> she, she, <laughs> no well quest 64 actually ran pretty smoothly like compared the, the, all the itoy games the later itoy games you made a bass fishing game too they they ran super sluggishly um, I don't know why the you know the team. Like but if you're doing fishing, fun. isn't it sluggish anyway? No, I hate to be that person, but you're kind of arguing semantics now. Yeah, did you now. try playing it drunk? No, I did not. I'm okay. just so glad Quest 60. No, fishing but and fishing games. It both both of them. Uh, number two on our list is a game that Jared t- has talked about. I think you've slipped in a reference is in it, every game scoop we've ever is been it on. Is it safe yeah. to bring this up? Isn't Jared just going to go off? I watched. No, I watched boy. about ten minutes of this game today. I've still never played it. This is a Street Fighter like uh, game about robots. Called Joy Mecha Fight that yep. came out for the NES. Came out for the yeah for the Famicom in Japan. Yeah, yeah, the sorry, NES yeah, uh, never Famicom. never released here. Um, it's wonderful. Uh, a lot of those kinds of tournament fighters that were done for eight bit and even early sixteen bit platforms weren't good. Uh, some people think that this one gets too much attention because it's been ignored. No, it's actually a really good fighting game. Some people think it's too much attention. Uh, yeah, From I think so. You uh, <laughs> okay, maybe that. When we made our top one hundred twenty five Nintendo games, this was one twenty six. Um, no. It's good. 28 unique fighters, bright, vibrant arenas, unique movesets, very charming, runs smooth as glass, and wonderful single-player mode, unlockables and secrets, great two-player. So they managed to get it to run smoothly, and this is the age of Street Fighter like being super popular in the mm-hmm. arcades, right? But they basically said... We can't do these big sprites, right? So let's break down the characters into pieces. So you had like this kind of Rayman style, exactly. Right? Like, yeah, like Rayman these... or like Vector Man, yeah, really cute like little Rayman pieces. robots. That's, yeah, they're so adorable. The characters have a lot of personality. They're very distinct. I, I keep waiting for the little pink robot to show up in Smash Brothers, and I'm my heart is broken every time. Nintendo's only fighting game character ever is not in their fighting game. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> just, 
Um, but Cloud yeah. from a totally yeah. different but, franchise. But we never, there is that. Someday. But we, we never got it over here, I think, because it was just too late. This came out very, very late in the in the uh, Famicom's lifespan. It just wasn't worth the money financially to bring it over because nobody would have bought it. Yeah, and that's the issue with Smash Brothers too, right? They, when they create DLC characters, they want to make sure they're characters that you know. And that's why we haven't seen anyone from Advance Wars or from um, Joy Mecha Fight. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that demon from Devil, Devil World yeah. is all over the hopefully, place. But, well, only in the... The trophies arena, but I mean, this is a, this is up there with the best first party Famicom games. It's mm-hmm. really, really good. All right, so you keep lobbying for it. Maybe the next Smash Brothers on NX will have it. Yeah, just call, all right. Call Namco. Number one on our list, uh, game very near and dear to my heart. Uh, Dylan Cuthbert and Argonauts, pre Star Fox game for Game Boy X. Yeah. <laughs> Such a cool game. It's a beautiful polygonal, fully 3D. Game Boy game drawn in lines. I'm, I'm a sucker for this. I love old. So when you say beautiful, games. it's like Sam Claiborne beautiful, though. Yeah. Not modern gamer beautiful, ah, that's right? Kind of it beautiful. looks like it's like stripped down po- polygonal art. It looks. Really if you're cool. if you're a classic gamer like Elite, like these games that have these vector kind of line graphics, that's what it looked like, right? Uh, the th- the thing about it, it looks like that, and the thing about it is, I, I've been working this feature on and off forever that I'm never going to finish about games that shouldn't exist. X should not be possible. Yeah. A Z80 with exactly. 4K of RAM should not be able to do what's happening in this game yeah it's just impossible and yet it's there and it runs well i bought x not knowing what it was when Whoa, i was living in japan cool. plugged it into a game boy i bought it for like 100 yen plugged mm-hmm. in it was like what is this mm-hmm. and I, I mean just it's it's one of the most technically brilliant video it's games more impressive ever than Star made Fox, which is pretty impressive yes. wow i remember playing Star Fox for the first time when yeah. i was little and it blew my mind can you imagine yeah. doing that on a black and no. white game boy screen before that i that's mean that's crazy like, we're talking that, about a, you see super mario land you're like wow they really screwed up how mario should be uh, yeah and then this came out five years later it's so interesting because that era really um divided audiences i felt like you know you you saw games like virtual fighter or you know or or this or star fox like when my wife saw star fox she's like oh this looks like crap right because she was used to seeing the beautiful hand-drawn 2d graphics of other games and suddenly everything is reduced to geometric shapes and Let's face it, none of those games ran smoothly. Mm. X doesn't run smoothly either, right? And it's they okay. well, they created this small viewport area to yeah, bring bring true. down, you know, the bring it down a little bit and, and make it run okay. And so that was such an interesting era when games turned polygonal for the first time and got re- but things you got were reduced by to. Them, right? I was blown away. Like when just I like saw dr- them, I, whenever yeah. I got like a 3D driving game, I just like stop and look off in the distance and turn around. Right. And stuff. Like, oh, like amazing. hard driving. You're sitting there like, is this how is this happening? It's the same kind of thing. Yeah. And then we suddenly like overnight we hit Daytona and you're mm-hmm. like, okay, oh. that's it now. Daytona. You know, now this is the modern age of video games. Yeah. No turning back. Cool. Well, that is our list of uh, games that. Uh, by all rights, should come to America finally. A little Those late, really yeah. Games. Uh, yeah. I'd love to dig into that topic more. I just think it's really neat mm-hmm. that Nintendo got all these resources and made a great game, and then we just they just swept it under the rug for uh, Western audiences. And, th- and you heard us talk. I mean, we mentioned a couple more, like Giftopia. There, there are quite a few games that never made it out to the U.S. because either they were... S- NOA thought they were too weird or it's just like they were at the cusp of the system switching right mm-hmm. like the NES was already old by the time That's something like deal. Fire Emblem yeah. came out even in Japan or, or right? Mechafi, right that exactly. was after Street yeah. Fighter came later. and others they thought would be culturally weird like the, the Miho Nakayama Tokimeki High School game or, right, you know, right. just like, you had I'll, to get a reference to ha- yeah. Jared <laughs> bought a Famicom yeah. game about a, a teenage star pre-teen star uh, she was a teen star teen, teen star, star. Okay. still acting lives in Paris now 
Do you uh, know all that? Does she know she, you're following her? Uh, no comment. Okay. <laughs> no comment. All right. Uh, but we'd like to hear your comments by uh, emailing us at nvc at IGN.com. I have a few uh, great uh, emails uh, from people, so thank you so much for writing us. Let's, let's answer two of these. Uh, question one. Dear NBC crew, my name is Gus, and I've recently been going back and forth on upgrading to a new 3DS XL. The reason being that my old one had its analog stick fall apart. And the new Fire Emblem Fates well 3DS, 3DS. Lo- looks really solid. Yeah, I know. Um, my question is, though, uh, what is is uh, what games are there coming out? He's basically asking uh, for the rest of the year to keep him busy. And uh, is there a reason for him to actually just replace his 3DS at this point? Hmm. Uh, and I know we'll have some creative answers for him that are beyond uh, what we already know is coming out. But he also says, uh, from IGN's top 100, or top, sorry, from IGN's top 25 3DS games, which we just updated, uh, I can say that I've got most of the bigger games already. So that's great news. Uh, so my first thing would say, like, oh, there's so many games to play that you probably missed. But he didn't miss those games. Mm-hmm. There's still some good games coming out, which you can talk about. But is there a reason now to have a 3DS as, like, an archival system to play old games, to play virtual console games? I think so. For, for between the small games like uh, like Pushmo uh, that you have there in the in the 3DS store, the wonderful virtual console archive, and there's a few things on the horizon that may yet alert, emerge. If Monster Tail Ultimate ever finally comes together, um, that right there, it, Monster Tail was wonderful. Uh, everything they said about Ultimate was the right message. We we don't know why that's in limbo, and I'd like to find out, but that's one. Um, there's the most granular pick ever. The Sega 3D Classics game that's coming out is full of weird little games, but they're all done by M2, who does the best emulation in the whole wide world. Yeah, yeah. And there's some, some one, like the M2's custom-made version of Fantasy Star 2 is going to be in that pack, mm-hmm. uh, which has never been released anywhere except in a weird, obscure compilation. Mm-hmm. So if you're really into you know hardcore arcade games, that's going to be a good pickup. And we don't think the 3DS is going away this year, necessarily. No, it's not done. NX or anything. I mean, I think there's games in production for the 3ds that are going to be announced soon and are going to be really cool. Yeah, and I still, oh. I, and I, I like if you only look at uh, at our top 25 and you know there's a new version of it up right now and you're saying oh I've got Mario Kart I got Smash Brothers I've got Awakening you know and and you're I, I think you're not seeing that behind that list of 25 there are a ton more really good games we talked about Story of Seasons earlier right like yeah. the team that made Harvest Moon broke away um, what's the deal with that game. Well, the story of seasons is the original Harvest Moon so under a different was, name. So marvelous and marvelous interactive and flock. I'm blanking on their name right mm-hmm. now. I'll get back to that. But well, they, Natsumi in the U.S. was yeah, the Natsumi. Yeah. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So they actually parted ways, mm-hmm. and so one has still has a property of Harvest Moon. Not the people me. who originally mm-hmm. made Harvest Moon that you associate that style and that type of gameplay is now being published under Exceed, I think. Yeah. And so that's bo- like Inafune, like he can create pe- things like Mega Man, but he doesn't own the name Mega Man, like that kind of thing. So basically Natsume can still make Harvest Moon games, and they got one coming, right? So mm-hmm. there's another one of those two, but it's a different developer. What we know as Harvest Moon in the West is actually Bokujo Monogatari, and that's mm-hmm. farm story, literally mm-hmm. translated, and that is now Story of Seasons. So... You know, at the very least, you got two new franchises, two franchises on 3DS if you've never played them and you, if you dig mm-hmm. that kind of Animal Crossing style gameplay that you could explore. Now, as for the new th- uh, the new 3DS, right, like upgrading to the next system, there are, there are really only two games, like Xenoblade and Binding of Isaac, that mm-hmm. are custom created for this unit, right? Like, if you really have second thoughts, I think owning a working 3DS is a must. Like, mm-hmm. there's no question. Yeah. Right? Like they, but do you feel that way about the original DS at this point? 
Well, the 3DS will play a DS game, so you don't right. need it. Yeah. Right? So but the original DS, I absolutely feel like but there what about are to play lots Game Boy of Advance games. Game. Huh? I keep a spare. So you say have a Game, game Boy Advance and a 3DS in your you're covered for your retro games. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think so. Yeah, and and I mean, the, we just the, talked the, about games the, like Advance Wars. The DS Lite was like the best. Oh, system. Sam, I, I have my DS Lite, and I have a box DS Lite sitting in my closet, never it's opened, it's so waiting perfect. for the day that my DS Lite dies you, so I can pull it out and replace <laughs> it. That's wow. the best handheld system ever made. You must forever have a 3DS. Unless there's some magical thing going on where Nintendo gives you access to all your games digitally once you own them physically, which I just can't see happening. I feel like you need to have these because they are. I still use my Game Boy Micro when I go on trips oh, to play yeah. games like Mother 3, mm -hmm. right? And like, I feel like the 3DS you can forever go back to. There are tons of downloadable games. You probably haven't tried Box Boy. Right, like games yeah. like that. There's, there's a new box there's a boy. There's a second box out, boy coming out. You go back um, and grab Shovel Knight. You've got Mega Man Legacy Collections about to come out. That's that's a fantastic package. At least it was on PC. Mm. Um, yeah, there are just so many cool little indie titles too um, that you could be playing. Um, yeah, I think. And you, I think, I think three Fire one. Emblems and Bravely Second and, are enough to keep you. And a new Dragon Quest. A new Dragon Quest coming he too. He says he's not interested in it that, but I think that Dragon Quest Eight, which is one of my favorite JRPGs of all time, if they they poured it correctly, mm -hmm. would definitely be worth everyone's time. It's such a fantastic game. I mean, it's... Wait, wait. Dragon Quest Eight is getting ported to 3DS? Is that what you're saying? It is, isn't I it? I thought we were talking about Eleven. Uh, oh, we're talking about Dragon yeah. Quest Eleven. Dragon I'm Quest sorry. 11, yeah. I, I went whoosh, somewhere okay. else. Mm -hmm. But actually, Eight might get a DS port as well. I don't remember this, mm -hmm. but I was thinking about it. Yeah, I thought we never, Dragon Quest we never Seven and Eight are being localized. Oh, so. no, Eleven hasn't come yet. It's, yeah. it's not done. It's yeah, new. See, it's a yeah, new it's game. I think we're not done. Sorry, we didn't get ten. And I think there there are lots of games that haven't been localized that are available in Japan that you will see come out here when the going gets tough so I think you have to have a 3DS that works not a broken analog no and man the new 3DS XL is good but the new 3DS non-XL is what I got the Animal Crossing package I love that system I think mm -hmm. that's you know in the running for best handheld after the, the DS Lite I just love it it's so it's so compact the screen looks oh, better it's really tracks good. your eyes it's, it's great and I don't need the big screens alright question number two uh, hey all, love the podcast. As I'm writing this, I'm happily playing Fire Emblem Awakening for the yeah. first time uh, with a wonderful art style, thoughtful dialogue. And by the way, that's the last Fire Emblem. That's not this new one. Nope. Uh, and interesting JRPG mechanics. I wish I picked this up earlier. Uh, with this, has there ever been a game you put off for whatever reason and when finally given a chance to play uh, to f only to fall in love with it? And yep. that is from, I cut off your name. I'm so sorry. Harry? Is it? Did you get it? I'm sorry. Harry? Harry Loisidis. Yes, there we go. You got it. Thanks, Harry. So uh, this is a topic uh, near and dear to my heart as I've been playing through Zelda 2 for the first time. Woo! Oh, Wait, really? Avengers of Lee. Found yeah. that mirror wow. under the table. Yeah. I found the mirror under the table. I'm on the, the Great Palace. Uh, this is the Black Sheep Zelda game. Yeah. Uh, I, I should liked it. never have the time to go back and play it, right? But I do, and I and I did, and I loved it. I actually loved it. It's it's not a great game, but it's such a good game for that time, and it brought me back to like my friends playing it and what it was like in that era to play a fantasy game that was just kind of like scary and difficult and uh, unexplored and weird. Like it's mm -hmm. like that game is just yeah, it's it's, it's it has a good feel to it. I, I remember I love loving it because you could like it's the first time I ever saw Link jump, and then you had like the what was it the gravity boots or whatever. Like you could do all sorts of cool stuff in that game. I wish there, could, yeah, there are. It's not gravity boots. It's the water it's boots. Water boots. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, the jump oh, well, spell and the water boots. Yeah, yeah, both. Boing. Yeah. Yes. That's what a downward I'm stab is pretty great. Yeah, downward stab is amazing. And sometimes you're just walking through the forest and you come upon like a Stonehenge thing. Yeah. It's really pretty and neat. Yeah. But man, it's it's a primitive Zelda game. Like it doesn't feel yeah. it doesn't feel like a feels big very step It's very experimental. Uh, the music's great. Uh, the combat. I, I think that that you have seven effective main moves you can do, and every enemy you face can be overcome by by those moves or almost every one. But it's always a different combination. I, I like Instead that. Instead of about a sword, it. you're armed with a pocket knife. <laughs> there is that. <laughs> yeah. You don't have a lot of reach. Uh, <laughs> very short. Yeah. When I was the a master kid. Knife. Uh, when I was a kid, uh, I had a, a friend that had an NES. I'd go to his house. We'd trade games a lot. He had two games that caught my eye because he had a big old collection of them. Um, one of them was Bionic Commando, and the other was River City Ransom. Mm -hmm. And I said, hey, can I trade for those to borrow? And he's like, you don't want to borrow those. They suck. Um, and I was like, you don't like this? No, they suck. So I didn't. And like three months later. Unfriend. Yeah. Well, I didn't know. I never <laughs> played them. It's so like three months later. Finally, I'm like, you sure you want to trade? And it's like, well, I don't. you can just take them home. And I took Bionic Commando and River City Ransom home. And I played Bionic Commando. And I decided it sucked because I couldn't jump. That's great. Um, and I, I, I almost, and then the next day, I remember I sat down. And I was like, well, I, why not? And I played it a little longer. And. Four hours later, I was well on my way to Hitler. Um, that game is it's one of the Master best. Master D. It's one, yeah, Master get a T. Shirt with that's that on it. it. Yeah, M Master D. Uh, pardon me, not Hitler. One of the best platformers in an era of great platformers. And then River City Ransom, I like from the second I picked it up. I was like, what is wrong with you, my friend? Um, you, you are you are an insane person. So uh, do you guys have stuff on your to-do piles that you actually got to? I'm trying to remember. So like, just taking it back to Nintendo, I, I you know. I, I grew up in the like the heyday of Nintendo games like Super Nintendo and N64 where honestly I was always so you hungry for NES. the games. Yeah, I, so I missed the NES. I went back and played a lot of NES games later, mm -hmm. but I, I didn't originally own one. Like I, I ignored games. I was playing games on the Atari and Commodore home computers mm. before then, you know, then went to college and just ignored all that stuff for a while. And then someone hooked me with a Super Famicom and I went back and mm -hmm. just went crazy. But like I would just go nuts the moment I rediscovered like how good or discovered how good Nintendo games were. I just get all of them. That's how I dis discovered Fire Emblem. Like, I don't know what this is. It says Nintendo made on it. I'm mm. going to play it. Right. No way. You just picked up on. Oh, way. yeah. Yeah. There were a bunch of games where I had no idea what it was. I'm like, this looks interesting. Let me try it out. Oh, that's like, what you did with X. Yeah, exactly. And then I'm like, with X, whoa, yeah. certain, certain Konami games are much better than others. And later I'm like, oh, because <laughs> they all say treasure on them, right? Like there was or Team Treasure before that. It's like, oh, my gosh, these are amazing. Yeah. No, same thing happened to me, uh, Castlevania Bloodlines. I, did, mm -hmm. I was like, there's a Castlevania game I haven't played? What? On the Genesis? Huh? And, and, and the yeah, Great game. There were a couple, like, I had, like, Goemon sitting there for the longest time, and then I went and played it, and I'm like, this is freaking amazing. That's Legend of Mystical Ninja. Mystical Ninja, yeah. right? Like, and that nowadays... big Tanuki Balls in it, and it was oh, localized with the big Tanuki Balls, and I don't think they noticed that. Well, you know, like... It's the, great. I feel yeah. like Tanuki Balls are, I have no are, context are socially, for that, so... socially acceptable now. If you've seen Studio Ghibli's movie, there are Tanuki Balls everywhere. So. Oh, yeah, they make a boat yeah. out of them. Yeah? Yeah, they cross, the, they cross the river. The children cross the river, and the boat One, made of giant Once it's balls. on a statue, it's okay for America, right? Like, yeah. Even like the, you know, yeah. like if if yeah, like a sculpted it, uh, yeah, then, it, then it's okay. In Pac and tournament, do you think you can kick him in the pokeballs? When it's on a person, it's not okay here. Apparently, it's a good point. I think they have a nude statue in Animal Crossing that they let stand. Well, there yeah. you go. But um, no, nowadays there are games like I will. You know, it's always October, November is always this horrible time where I do have a family I need to take care of too. So I'll buy games. I'll stock up on your, you know, on on your uh, your 
latest shooters and biggest yeah. RPGs. And then I, then like stuff. Witcher 3 mm. will sit there and I play it. I'm like, this is really cool, but I just don't have the time to play it. And so I go back later. I got two Assassin's Creed games that I'm backlogged we on. We all need to break our leg or something. You know? So we have to <laughs> Far Cry. <laughs> Far Cry. I love, I have not played the last Far Cry very much, but I love the one before. And so there, there's this mm. backlog where I keep on saying I'm going to go back to it, but I have very little hope of actually finding the time. I d- what is it I was thinking of? Oh, this is a good one. So I didn't originally play Super Mario RPG mm-hmm. back wow. in the day, and I finally got the opportunity to play it. And I was like, wow, this game is really great. It's really cute it's and like fun. It's like 60 and... hours of game. You got through yeah. it all? No. <laughs> I didn't have that kind of time. But you, I... got, you played enough of it. But I played yeah. enough of it to really enjoy it. Did you get it. to the part where there's like other Nintendo characters? And like I think it's in a dream sequence. It's like Samus and stuff in it. I don't remember that. Is that I, I don't I'm think sure so. I feel like I would I have remembered that. No, I don't okay. think you're crazy, but I don't remember that. So I probably did didn't get that far but I was just really pleasantly surprised because everyone was like you've played so many JRPGs but you haven't played this mm-hmm. one so I think I downloaded it on like virtual console and finally got mm-hmm. to play it and I was like hey it's really cool I'm really glad that I finally got around to playing this game so now that you're you're obviously enjoying Fates a lot, uh, a lot you gave Birthright a, a 9.4 9.4 right great game you liked Awakening um, I'm assuming you're enjoying Revelation as well yes I, very would much. you consider going to the back to the Game Boy Advance and playing you know the, the first games that yeah. came out in the US. I would love to experience those. Yeah, I think that's a great way to experience Fire Emblem and how it evolved into what it is yeah. today. Because I I'd, think that's important. I'd be curious because I think Awakening got big in the US. You know, First of all, it got marketed. It's a really good game. Word of mouth definitely helped it. But it also elevated the relationship feature between the characters mm-hmm. much more, mm-hmm. right? Um, whereas like the older ones, they have all the banter and everything, but they don't have the kind of relationship. They don't have, they don't the, have kids, the romance they option. They don't have yeah. the kids element, right? Yeah. There's romance. So that was new in Awakening? Yeah, so yeah. Awakening yeah. created this whole like build your own army by having people hook up. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'd be curious to hear like if, how you're liking those, uh, those older games. Yeah, it'd be interesting because the, the dating They're sim really element... Good. No one wants to admit it, but that's kind of half the fun of Fire Emblem Awakening and Fates. Yeah. It's a lot of fun, and it's a clever yeah. gameplay mechanic that loops back into how it affects your strategy on the battlefield. It's, it's the same fantastic. way that Persona managed to kind of steal a good portion of the Social RPG mode and doing the same thing. Social links. links, yeah, it's, same kind of thing. It is. It is understated in the older games. They actually have you know the kind of team up features like to buff stats and all that. So they the some of the games the early ones didn't, but the later games have that built in. Um, they're really, really good, but they don't have, they're not quite as deep when it they comes to They don't, but the combat mechanics of Fire Emblem really are so solid yep. and so nuanced and intricate that I feel like I would still enjoy it, mm-hmm. even without the, the dating. And they have mm-hmm. things like weapons deteriorate in the older games, for example, yeah. right? And they so still you have do to get in them, Fates, like rods and stuff them. will still like break. Well, they have uses, yeah. but like swords actually get worse and worse, so you have to have them reforged. So right. there are other elements that I think Nintendo thought were too fussy and they wanted to get rid of. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you should check them out. Yeah, but really that's cool. part of the strategy. That's part of the fun. Is is like, all right, my weapon is deteriorating or broke. Mm-hmm. Now what do I do? It's cool. I hate that sound. Mm-hmm. I just heard it for the first time in my game, and I was like, oh, I, I remember mm-hmm. that sound now. <laughs> <laughs> darn staff broke. That all right, darn staff. that wraps it up for this episode of Nintendo Voice Chat NVC. You can write us at nvc at ign.com. You can also tweet at all of us, of course. I'm sure you're following us already, but you're at uh, Petty Comma Jared. Pair IGN. I'm at Samuel underscore IGN. Megan, M-E-G-H-A-N underscore IGN. 
We all post fun stuff all the time. We're fun to follow. Yes. Um, yeah, absolutely. Do that and uh, follow at IGN as well. Go play this. Of course. Yeah, and uh, we all, I think, recommend Fire Emblem. Uh, yes. And uh, Jared uh, will go out and play it soon, I'm sure. Yeah, I will. I, uh, I, uh, I look forward to getting my hands on this. I've just been busy with other stuff recently. But, cool. Uh, well, uh, your uh, beloved host, Jose, will be back next week. And uh, I will see you all soon. Thanks so much for joining us. And uh, I'll see you in hell. Bye-bye. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.